Welcome to Scanner School. This is session number 10, and today we are talking about Motorola trunk radio systems. Welcome to the Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome back to Scanner School, where we discuss everything that you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. Today is session number 10. We finally made it to double digits. And uh, I want to thank all of you for your support and for uh, your email feedback and all of uh, your additional uh, words of encouragement and uh, it's keeping us going. Um, small win for right now is we're just shy of 2,000 downloads, which will probably change by the end of the uh, this episode week. And as a quick reminder, the, um, the window to get into the free consulting contest uh again i'm giving away a uh, free consulting session for 30 minutes for three individuals and it's very easy to join on this contest all you have to do is be a member of our facebook community and go to scannerschool.com facebook group and then once you enter the facebook group just post a question or a comment and that's all you have to do to be in the running to win now Today's episode goes online on February 27th, 2018, which means if you're listening real time or you're listening on today's launch date for this episode, you have one more day to get your hat, your name in the hat. So you have until tomorrow, the end of the day, which is February 28th, 2018, to be a member of the group and post your comment or your question. And that's not to say that the Facebook group is going to go away. It's always going to be there. But just to be a part of this contest, you have to be a member of the group by that date. So if it's listen to me in the future and uh, you want to be a member of the Facebook group, please join us. It's at scannerschool.com slash Facebook group. And we would love to see you there. Additionally, you can find us if you're not on Facebook. We're on Twitter. So you can go to Facebook. Uh, scannerschool.com slash Twitter and follow us on there. And if uh, you prefer email, I need to do a little bit better job at at uh, uh, giving content out through email. I've been pretty silent on that front. I'm hoping that changes um, in March. But you can uh, join us on our, uh, our email news list, which is on the front page of the website. Or you can go right to scannerschool.com slash mailing list and you can sign up that way as well. So today we're going to take a 30,000 foot or so view of Motorola trunking. There's several different flavors we're going to talk about here, all Motorola uh, Type 1, Type 2s. And again, we're going to take a really high level view of this only because I don't want to bore anybody to the point of falling asleep while they're driving or, you know, something like that. Because this is, we can really get into the tentacles of, of this. And I think the best way for me to do that if you're interested, and please let me know if you're interested in deep diving these protocols really down to the nut and bolts. Um, I think that's a great way to do via a email uh, newsletter type of thing where we discuss something really detailed so you can digest it easier. Or maybe it's time to start making some Facebook videos. I'm sorry, Facebook videos or YouTube videos. And uh, this way I can at least break it down with a whiteboard and um, really get into how these things work, maybe in five to 10 minute chunks. Uh, again, I don't think really getting into everything here uh, is really the best thing to do over a podcast. So again, 
I'm going to teach you enough to be dangerous, uh, enough to get your radios programmed, enough for you to understand how the systems work so that you have a great understanding of them, but really not so that we're going to get down into the, like I said, the nuts and bolts of it. So first, Motorola Type 1. Okay, Type 1 is like the first generation of a Motorola trunk system. And it kind of had its limitations. And we're going to discuss that in a second. But what happened was a Motorola Type 1 system is you have you have fleets and subfleets. And in order for the system to be programmed up correctly, you need to put in a fleet subfleet map into your scanner so that the radio knew where to go and how many systems would be available to it and that kind of stuff. And because there was the um, the fleet map protocol set up in a type one system, you were limited and you were limited to the number of IDs, the number of fleets and a number of subfleets that you could actually have on the type one system. Now, this kind of sounds very familiar to LTR and EDAX trunking, right? Where you had a fleet and a subfleet. And it's kind of the same way with the talk group. So the talk group would really be three digits by two digits. So an example talk group on a type one system would be 100-20. Okay, I don't know if that's a valid one, but that's what the way one would look. And the other interesting thing, too, about a Type 1 system is when a radio would key up, it would basically blurt out all of, it, all of its information when it would key up on the overhead messaging. So basically, it would say, here's my radio ID, here's where I can affiliate with, this is my credentials. Um, basically, it's like when you go into a club and, and you talk to the bouncer and you say, hey, man, don't you know who I am? This is who I am. And these are my friends, and they're all with me, and we're all going to get in here. So... That would happen every time that you would transmit on a Type 1 system. So pretty inefficient, basically, as far as uh, uh, use of the resources that were there, Spectrum or, or whatever, okay? So that graduated into a Type 2i hybrid. So that's really written as Type, and then the Roman numeral 2, followed by a lowercase i. And what that allowed users to do was acquire type two radios and without having to upgrade the system into a type two trunk system, you would still be able to use your type one talk groups and you would still be able to talk to uh, type one radios. All right. So it's kind of the bridge that would allow you to buy more equipment, but without having to upgrade the entire back end. So the second generation of trunk systems by Motorola is called a Type 2 system. And there's several different flavors of a Type 2 system. We'll go through them all. Uh, but just to give you a heads up what's coming, we have the Type 2 Smart Net. You have a Type 2 Smart Zone. You have a Type 2 OmniLink. And a Type 2 VOC, which is a Voice on Control. So the SmartNet system is basically where we start off with, and it is a uh, it builds upon the Type One system where it has a couple extra features on it that make it APCO 16 compliant. So what are those features? So we look at having better security on the system. It supports emergency signaling. It allows you to dynamically regroup the system. 
And it also allows for the system administrator to monitor the radios that are in the system. So what exactly does that mean? So the radio um, admin, basically, or the system admin, has the ability to find out what radios are on the system, where they are. And basically, if uh, a radio that's cloned would show up either at uh, two receive points at the same time, or they may be on a channel they're not supposed to be on, or that kind of stuff. So what happens is the system admin has the ability to what we call brick or inhibit a radio, which would basically make it unusable at all and have to go back to Motorola for repair. And of course, you would have to say to Motorola why your radio was bricked to begin with. The dynamic regrouping is pretty interesting because it allows you to, say, tie two talk groups together. So if you had a police talk group that needed to talk to a fire talk group and they didn't have an interoperability talk group they can come into, the uh, the system admin or a dispatcher or somebody with enough um, uh rights to the network would be able to tie two talk groups in together to basically group them together. So the smart net system allows for 28 system channels and not all of them have to be voice channels. You can have a couple set aside for control channels or uh, alternate control channels. You can have upwards of 65,000 radio IDs on a system. You can have 4,095 talk groups, and you have what we call a status bit. So what exactly is a status bit? The talk groups on a Motorola Type 2 system are basically divisible by 16. And the reason they're divisible by 16 is because you have 16 status bits that are available to use on the system. What a status bit does is it increments the talk group by the numerical equivalent of what the... Uh, the feature is that you're using. So if you had an emergency communication and you press the emergency button on the radio, that equates to a status bit of two. So your talk group of 16 now becomes a talk group of 18. Okay. If you had maybe a dynamic regroup or something like that, that would be a talk group uh, increase or a status bit of three. Okay. Now, I'm looking at a chart here that has the 16 status bits. And I'll put a status bit chart in the show notes at scannerschool.com slash session 10. If you also want to look at another group, if you want to look, read a bit more about Moral Type 2 SmartNet systems, you can also take a look at the Radio Reference Wiki at wiki.radioreference.com. And you'll find this chart there as well. So we've kind of seen when we program up our scanners, maybe you'll notice that there's a option for status bit ignore. Now, if you do status bit ignore, yes, what that basically allows you to do is ignore the status bit on that talk group. So if you were monitoring talk group 16 and they had an emergency come across and the talk group now becomes 18, your radio is going to ignore that extra status bit and allow you to monitor that emergency communication on talk group 16. You won't miss anything. That's why it's very important to program in your status bit correctly. Now, if you wanted your scanner to show something different if there was an emergency or if you have a radio that allows you to change the backlight or have an alert tone or something like that, you could set the status bit ignore to no and then program in talk group 18 into your radio with 
a backlight, flash, and an alert tone. And every time that there was an emergency on Talk Group 16, your scanner would know that because it's now looking for Talk Group 18. Now, you would have to program in Talk Group 18 into your scanner ahead of time with all the information so that the radio will alert for the emergency talk group. Okay? So that's one thing to keep in the back of your mind when you're looking at programming a Motorola system. The other thing you want to look at too when you program in a Motorola system is with a Type 2 is you don't need to program in all 28 radio channels if they're available. All you have to program in are the uh, the control channel and the alternate control channel because the way the Type 2 system works is that there's a predetermined radio layout. So instead of using the logical channel numbering of LTR and EDAX or um, you know those, those flavors, Basically, you just put in the control channel, and when the control channel says, hey, everybody go to channel 5, because it's hard-coded in the Motorola Type 2 spec, your radio automatically knows where to go to. That's really great until we hit rebanding. Now, we'll talk about rebanding next week, but for the sake of this week, we're going to assume no rebanding, and when you put in just a control channel, your radio automatically knows where to go. When it says go to channel 5, channel 6, channel 7... Whatever the channel is, your radio always knows where to go because it's hard-coded into the radio uh, protocol. Now, that's only for 800 systems and 900 systems. For VHF and UHF, you have to put a band plan in. And what the band plan basically does is it tells the radio where to go for each channel. That's a little bit like rebanding, but again, we're going to talk about that next week on Session 11. So for 800, 900 megahertz systems, just a control channel, you're good to go, and the alternate control channels into the trunk bank. For VHF and UHF, you'll have to put in the band plan for the system so that the radio knows where to go when you say go to channel 1, channel 5, channel 7, whatever. Okay, so going back to type 2 smart nets, you have the ability to, to support priority talk groups. What that means is that there is a sub-audible tone that goes out over the voice channel if there's any activity on the priority talk group. What happens then is the radio will then go back to the control channel and say, where am I going? And it will then follow over to the priority talk group. So in a very tight nutshell, remember, SmartNet is 28 system channels. Uh, sorry, 28. Yeah, 28 system channels, uh, 65,534 radio IDs, 4,095 talk groups, the ability to add status bits and talk group priority. One site. This allows us now to graduate into a smart zone, sometimes seen as smart net so smart zone. What this is, is a network of smart net sites networked in together. And it allows you to have a larger area footprint than if you only had one transmitter site. Now, this is the most common type of a type two system. And there's really two flavors here. You can have a simulcast system where every transmitter on the network has the same control channel and the same voice channels, and everything keys up simultaneously. All right, that's why it's a simulcast system. The other way it can be done is you have multiple transmitter sites, each with their own control channels and set of voice channels. Now, if your Type 2 smart zone system is set up that way, you're going to need to program in at least your local, the ones you can hear directly, those systems into your scanner in order to properly track this trunk radio system. Don't worry about putting in things that are 100 miles away that you're never going to hear unless, of course, you're driving around and you want to hear the entire thing. So this may 
be reasons why you say, oh, I've programmed in my smart zone system into my scanner, but I can't hear anything. Well, because you didn't put in your closest system. Okay. So why have it set up this way? Well, it allows for the RF environment and your spectrum and your licensing to be used more efficiently. For example, you could have a north bank of sites and a south bank of sites. And you only want departments that are on the north side to only be uh, active on those transmitters, those trunk uh, nets, smart nets, that are actually covering that geographical location. You may only want the southern end of your smart net system or your smart zone to have the talk groups that are on a police that covers the south zone. But you may have an entire county-wide talk group that needs to be broadcast over the entire system. Okay, So having your smart zone set up in separate networks is a good way of uh, breaking out your, um, your network. So again, if you have a PD that's on the north side and somebody happens to come onto the south end, then you would be able to then hear that radio's transmissions, all the radio transmissions of that talk group, wherever any radio is affiliated on the system. All right. So you can kind of roam around a little bit on a smart net or smart zone system. Um, so again, if you have only PD North and somebody from PD North goes into the south end, you may hear PD North for a little bit on the south end because you have a unit that has affiliated down in the south end. So they'll be able to talk back to uh, their own central dispatcher on the north end that way. What else happens with a smart net, smart zone system? You can have 64 smart net sites networked together, and it allows for analog and digital talk groups to be on the system. If you look in the radio reference database, you'll see that it's an APCO 16 compliant system with digital talk groups. That basically means it's not P25. It's a type 2 system with a 3600-baud uh, control channel that happens to have digital talk groups on the system. That's why you can sometimes use a BC785D on a Type 2 system, but not on... That's exactly why you can use a 75T on a Type 2 system and not on a Phase 2 system because the control channel is 3,600 kilobits, uh, 3,600 baud, instead of being on um, 9,600 baud system. Okay, so next one is a Type 2 Omnilink. All right, so we're graduating, right? We're, we're making a bigger and bigger network here. So a Type 2 Omnilink allows you to link up to four smart zone systems together. So now this allows you to have 192 sites in total network together. And this is a very large geographical area, maybe like a statewide system or something like that. So each zone has its own smart zone, has its own system ID, and has its own network controller. Now, the differences here between the previous one is that you can restrict the radio to be able to roam or not to roam. Okay. So, nutshell view, that is your smart net, smart zone, and your OmniLink systems. Finally, type 2 VOC, or voice on control. What this really is, it's a specialized uh, repeater running it's basically, it's called an IntelliRepeater that's running specialized software on the repeater that allows it to operate kind of in a trunked system mode. There's no local database. 
and it gets all of its directions from the systems zone controller. The purpose really of a VOC is to cover a uh, like a an area that has a coverage gap in the system. Maybe it's got terrain limitations or it's a special event where you just need to get better coverage in a particular area. Okay. So what makes this one unique besides not having a brain of its own? You can actually get as little as one channel on this system because the control channel can become a voice channel. Sounds a little bit like LTR, doesn't it? So what happens is, is when the voice channel, I'm sorry, when the control channel becomes a voice channel, first, all the radios that are listening to the control channel get notified. Hey, we're changing modes here. We're going to a control channel. The problem here is that if the control channel becomes a voice channel for too long and the timeout timer in a radio expires because it can't hear control channel, the radios that are listening on this VOC may start saying out of range. Now, why do they say out of range? Because somebody was too long-winded. They didn't let the uh, the transmission drop. They didn't allow the voice channel to become a control channel and uh Pulse out the heartbeat, basically says, okay, we're back in control channel mode. Hey, we're still alive here. I'm still control, uh, uh, still a trunk uh, system over here. And you guys are home. Don't worry about it. You guys, you know, I'm, I'm still here. So that's kind of a limitation of a VOC system. Now, if anything should happen to fail on the VOC uh, repeater system and it loses its own controller, it will fail back into uh, just a typical repeater. Now, a nice thing, too, about all trunk radio systems, too, is that there is a fail-safe that if ever it does lose the control channel, is it will fall back into um, a type of a default configuration until it comes back online and gets its uh, controllers back in order. So, in a nutshell, we've talked about um, your introduction to trunk radio systems on Session 7, which is at scannerschool.com slash Session 7. We talked about LTR on session eight or at scanschool.com slash session eight. We talked about EDAX on session nine, which is scanschool.com slash session session nine. And session 10, which is the one you're listening to right now, wraps up the basic type two and type one Motorola trunk systems. So what does that mean? That means that if your radio says trunk tracker three, those are the three systems that that radio is talking about. LTR, EDAX, and Motorola. So now we've taken and we've kind of looked at Trunk Tracker 3s and what is involved at a high level on Motorola, LTR, and EDAX. So again, to summarize with the Motorola, you have a Type 1 system, which is the first generation, which is very limited and required you to program in your, your fleets and subfleets when you programmed in the system. You had a Type 2i hybrid, which allowed you to take Type 2 radios onto a Type 1 system. You have a Type 2 SmartNet system, which is a second generation trunk system by Motorola, which allows for better security, emergency signaling, dynamic regrouping, and radio monitoring. It also allows for priority talk groups on there, status bits, 28 system channels, over 65,000 radio IDs, and over 4,000 talk groups. A group of SmartNet systems that are linked together become a smart zone. And a group of smart zones that are tied together become a type 2 Omnilink. So you can see how the system grows. Okay. So, and again, in a nutshell, at 30,000 foot view, that is your primer on Motorola type 2 systems.
So today's session is sponsored by EastCoastPagers.com. East Coast Pagers is a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the U.S. market. From one-way numeric and alphanumeric pagers to voice and P25 pagers, they have you and your department covered. Check out EastCoastPagers.com for Unication G1, G4, and G5 products and accessories. So all G1 pagers will ship with a spare set of batteries and a spare belt clip courtesy of East Coast Pagers. Now, all G4 and G5 orders will ship with a spare belt clip. And until March 31st, every G4 and G5 will also come with a free Phase 2 upgrade to allow you to monitor Phase 2 P25 transmissions. So as an extra bonus, if you go to eastcoastpagers.com slash school, you'll have a extra surprise in your shopping cart courtesy of East Coast Pagers. And this uh, little bonus is only available to the listeners of Scanner School. So again, go to eastcoastpagers.com slash scanner school for a little bonus in your shopping cart courtesy of East Coast Pagers. And if you have a order for your fire district or uh, just something personal you need and you need a custom quote, again, don't uh, hesitate to contact eastcoastpagers.com for your custom quote. Again, eastcoastpagers.com handles all unication and Swiss phone accessories and are available online or via a custom quote at eastcoastpagers.com. Okay, so I want to thank everybody for uh, joining us again for session number 10 of the Scanner School podcast. And a quick reminder, you can always catch the show notes at scannerschool.com slash session 10. Also within there, you'll find our show notes. You'll find a link to get on uh, our mailing list. You'll also have a link to follow us at Twitter at scannerschool.com slash Twitter. And also be a member of our Facebook group. It's right now... uh, it's a growing community, and again, if you get in there before tomorrow, which would be February 28th, 2018, leave a comment or a question, and that puts you in the running for our contest, which again, ends on February 28th, 2018. So if you're listening to this in the future, the group is still there. It's still available. Please come and join us, and um, it's just the contest window is closing at this time just for the uh, the consulting session. So what exactly am I offering when it comes to a consulting session? You are getting my time for whatever type of question or help uh, that you need. So if you're stuck programming a radio and you don't understand how something works, I'm there for you. If you have a programming layout on your computer but you're having problems setting up the layout exactly the way you want it, that's what I'm there for. If you're researching buying a new scanner and you're not exactly sure what you need to buy, I'm there. So it's very easy to to get me as a consultant. Just go to scannerschool.com slash consulting. Visit the website or you can always email me directly. It's my name, phil at scannerschool.com. And again, you can always leave feedback at our speak pipe, which is really cool. This way it allows me to put your voice as a part of the podcast when I do the question and answer session. So instead of me reading an email, I can actually have your voice uh, leave your question. And that's at scannerschool.com slash speak pipe. And again, you can always contact me via for consulting or just to leave feedback on our voicemail number, which is U.S. area code 516-308-2885. Again, it's 
516-308-2885. I'll do it a third time. 516-308-2885. Please leave me a voicemail so I can play it back and uh, allow other members to hear you and your story and whatnot, which also brings up a very good question. Uh, would you like to be on the Scanner School podcast? I'm sure there's um, others out there that have the same interests and the same backstories that maybe you have. Um, let's let's set it up. Give me a, a call or an email. And uh, if you would like to be on or if you know somebody that uh, would benefit uh, being heard by the uh, the community, uh, you know, I'm open for suggestions. I'm looking right now to book appointments and to get uh, guests on the air. So um, if you have uh, somebody's ear and you think that they would be interested in being on the podcast, again, please send them my way, okay? Again, it's uh, scannerschool.com is the email address, and I'm just going to cut it here. We're not going to do any type of uh, any type of uh, over-the-air um, uh, email readings like that this week. We're getting right up to the 30-minute mark here, and I want to try and keep these uh, uh, from going on for too long. So we'll... we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pick back up next week with rebanding so thank you for being here that uh we've wrapped out the uh air quote here the trunk tracker three part of your scanner and uh again we will see you next week on the scanner school podcast where we teach you everything that you need to know about the scanner radio hobby 73 and happy scan thanks for listening to the scanner school podcast Be sure to visit www.scannerschool.com to access the show notes and bonus content.